the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. You ever been in a propeller plane? And the engine starts to like... It goes from that big, loud roar to a slight little hum. Kind of like, I wonder if this thing's going to stall out. Probably something you don't want happening while you're in a propeller plane. Same thing with Wall Street right now. It's starting to stall out. It doesn't feel like it has speed to break through. For the last week, that's what I'm feeling. Yesterday, I take a lunch break. And before I take a lunch break, I look at how the stock market's done. I, I play a little game with myself. By the time lunch is over, where do I think things will be? And I just said, I just don't think it has enough to get through. So let's move forward and talk about today and yesterday. Tesla, they reported last night, it appears investors didn't love what they heard. Shares are down about 9%. Inline report for first quarter that featured a 21% automotive gross margin, a view that is pushing for higher volumes from the company, i.e. price cuts to get volume, volume, volume. A larger fleet is the right choice here versus a lower volume and higher margins. Elon Musk says he expects 12 months of stormy weather in the economy. And when you have a high PE and your CEO says recession is coming. Is there a reason to own the stock in the short term? Now, again, if you had a low PE and a high dividend or do you see it like there's reasons to find stocks to buy in downturns? We are going into a tighter period of credit and a tighter period of the easy money is gone. And we are going to be feeling the ramifications of interest rate hikes for another six months. To get tighter and tighter and tighter. Imagine being in a steam room, doors locked, and you see the evil person outside kick up the uh, steam. Turns the dial from four to nine. And you're like, uh oh, I could take this for a little bit, but it's going to get hot in here. IBM top first quarter expectations. I don't even know why I talk about IBM anymore, other than the fact that they're a Dow component, which shows you why the Dow Jones Industrial Average is so stupid in the first place. Tonight on the the weekly news with Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace is going to start by saying the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down 10 points today. And we just don't care about it as an index. It's 30 stocks. IBM's one of them. I don't think it's as relevant as it should be. I think the S&P 500. I think the Russell 3000, the Wilshire 5000 are much better indexes to look at. DR Horton easily passed first quarter expectations. So they're a home builder. Then you get IBM. Snap on, they make tools. They breeze by first quarter expectations. The used car dealership automation blew by earnings expectations. The earnings aren't the problem right now. 
It's the fear of what interest rates are going to do the economy towards pushing us into a recession is the fear I feel. The earnings are fine. Economic slowdown concerns, though, would feed in earnings concerns. Initial jobless claims for the week ending April 15th increased by 5,000 to 245,000. That's not problematic in any way, shape, or form. It is the highest level that jobless claims have been at since November 2021. But any number under 350,000 is ultimately pretty positive for the U.S. economy. Continuing jobless claims for the week ending April 8th increased 61,000. So I, I think you could see that there is some problems finding jobs for people who've been long-term unemployed. And I think there is starting to see some levels of uh, a couple more layoffs here and there, but it's not big. And as I noted this morning to myself, holy mackerel, it's 420. It's marijuana day, according to Elon Musk and others. I don't even know how to do a marijuana laugh. What is it? Something like that. Um, the year is the third over. Whoa. Time is flying. Oh, we haven't fun yet. The Philadelphia Fed index for April slumped to a negative 31 reading from negative 23 reading in March. That's the eighth straight month of negative territory readings for the manufacturing sector. It's the lowest reading since May of 2020. May of 2020. Wasn't that right smack down in the lockdowns where like, is it two weeks over yet? Can we go back out? And everything was shut down. This was right about the point in time where I started looking at my, my children's clothing as potential toilet paper. Now you're saying that's not even funny. I'm not kidding. Do you remember the toilet paper was running out? And then we got all mad at people for stockpiling it. The dividing line between contraction is zero and great readings of contraction for manufacturing in the Philadelphia region of the United States. That's telling you things are getting tighter, tougher. The two-year Treasury note is down nine basis points to 4.17%. The New York Fed President Williams... He is a voter. He signaled his support for another rate hike at the May meeting. This has to stop at some point. And it will. But again, I, I, I need to stop and not backseat quarterback the Fed. Inflation is a much bigger problem for most of the United States than a stock market that is having problems going higher. Inflation affects our senior citizens. It affects our poor. It affects our middle class. I was doing some research on dating, not for like my own purposes, but the cost of dating right now. Pretty interesting stuff. I'll get back to you with when that's ready to go. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. SpaceX launched a towering big starship. And it blew up. That is one reason why when it comes time to invest in rocketry. When it goes bad, it goes real bad. 
you remember the push we had maybe a little over a year ago where space tourism was a thing and then it kind of just stopped home sales fell in march amid volatility and mortgage rates tesla shares are falling on a year over year uh income and earnings drop going from market share a credit crunch is coming for small town america and midtown america for big projects i think things will be fine Savings interest rates just hit a 15-year high. I was a little bit shocked yesterday when I saw a savings online account yield 5%. Not that I didn't know we were going there, but that I'm just not used to seeing it. Top yielding online savings accounts now are just north of 5%, the highest level since 2008, and much higher than last year's 0.8 tenth of 1%. Apple's now offering a nice yield as a bank inside your phone without offices. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I got an interesting question in the email a couple days ago. And it was from a man who wants to invest in India. And he said, how should I go about figuring it out? I would only invest in India with exchange traded funds. International investing is a great component of long-term success. Whether you're talking emerging markets or developed markets, India has a great banking system. India has a great college system. India has a lot of infrastructure that China doesn't have. But how do you invest in India? Now, I'm going to play stupid for here. Just a second. Don't get mad at me. This is not going to be a cancel culture kind of moment on me. But I know what the currency is in India. But a lot of people don't. I know that there's many, many, many languages spoken in India, but a lot of people don't know that. So let's just pretend I don't know the currency and I don't know how many political parties there are. There's a lot of things I don't know about India. Okay, so I'm that guy. I have no business investing in India, but I want to. I would go with an ETF, an exchange-traded fund or an index fund, or a mutual fund. And you can start your research by the old-fashioned Google. Um, ETFs that invest in India. You will find plenty, a chock-full many of them. Then how how do you know if a mutual fund, an index fund, or an ETF is any good that invest in India? First and foremost, I don't consider anything under than three years investing. At three years, I start seeing like, okay, you've put in some time. You should be expecting something. At five years, you should definitely. Seven for sure. I look at investing as a race of assets that the finish line is on the right. The start line's on the left. And in the number one position, we may have real estate. Number two position, we may have small caps. Number three, we may have large cap tech companies. Number four, we may have India. And when you hit, say, go, all those horses are going to come running out of the gate. Oh, but one may be actually walking. 
Oh, and one's just standing in the gate. He's acting all shy. But as you hit the three-year level, the five-year level, the seven-year level, the 10-year level of the race, you should be moving forward towards the finish line. So I would look at an index fund or an ETF tied towards India. And I would look at a five-year, seven-year, and 10-year track record. And if the number looked good to me, I'd say, okay, they know what they're doing. Political systems working there. The language system is working there. The currency is working there. The consumer is buying. I don't know the difference between the top grocery store in India and the bottom grocery store. <clears throat> I couldn't pick a stock, an Indian stock, if you paid me money to. So that's how you set up for a long-term successful winner. Peter Lynch famously talked about what were referred to as 10-bagger investments that increased tenfold in value. This required holding on to a stock for a long time. I have shares of NVIDIA right now that I bought last year at a nice price compared to where it is this year. Part of me wants to take some of the money off the table now, and part of me wants to say, okay, let's give it three, five, seven, ten years. Would I be a fool not to book a 90% gain? Maybe. That's up to me to decide. But long-term is the best way to approach portfolio results, in my opinion. Some other tips that I'll throw out there for you. In the world of stocks, sell your losers, buy the winners. In the world of mutual fund and ETFs, buy the losers, sell the winners, or rebalance. That's kind of what I'm trying to, okay, let me stop right there. And this isn't, this advice doesn't hold true every single time. Nope. Generally speaking, some other investment tips for you this segment. Uh, avoid the friend who gives you stock tips. Pick a strategy and stick with it. Warren Buffett, he looks for value. He looks for cash flow. He never, ever got into the 1990s and said something like, oh, boy, I sure like these Bic razors or these Gillette razors. Men have to shave every day. And then suddenly he goes, oh, I don't like that anymore. Now I want, you know, the dot-com company that, who's making smell on the internet. He stuck to what he knew. Companies that have good cash flow and value. He didn't jump. Jump, jump, jump up, jump up. No, okay. Um, I'd rather buy a great company than get a great price. Because I'm holding for the long term. Price in the short term doesn't mean as much to me. I'm not saying that completely. I'm not saying it as broadly. One company that I really like to take a look at is Taco Bell. When explaining to you, when I give speeches, you're looking for companies who can innovate. And when I first heard of Nacho Cheese, Dorito, Locos, Tacos, I'm like, I've only been eating tacos for hundreds of years. Do we really need a nacho cheese Doritos Locos tacos? And I guess the answer is yes. 
it turns out that Taco Bell was working on the crunch wrap for five plus years in their food kitchen. Crunch wrap took a total of 13 years before it finally made the cut and got onto the menu. Every year, Taco Bell releases 10 new products. To do so, they have to test at least 70 plus at a time. They've used paint guns to put nacho cheese dust on tacos. And you're like, are you kidding? It's a creative process with limitations. One. But the company pushes itself both technically as well as creatively. They have a focus on the consumer who has a focus on taste. Every generation of Americans adds more spices to their kitchen. So the young kids today, they can eat the flaming hot stuff. I can't. I'm a old style barbecue chip guy, not a flaming hot chip guy. I like ta- I like studying Taco Bell. You should look for those features that Taco Bell does with their products in every company you invest in. You got to look at companies as products. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. All things change, right? Dan Reynolds from Magic Dragons used to be happily married. Now he's dating model. Things change. Game of Thrones, the mountain actor. At one point in time, Game of Thrones was the biggest TV show in the United States. Listen to this horrific headline. The guy who played the guy named the mountain, he's huge. Tore his pectorals off in a horrific weightlifting accident. Um, I don't even want to see that video. And yet Yahoo says, hey, do you want to see that video? I'm like, nope. And that was just me pulling up a, a stock price on Tesla. Because I want to talk Tesla in this segment. But can you imagine tearing your pectorals off? I can't even imagine going to the gym right now. Too early in the day. Um, let me pull up Tesla real quick. That's what I want to do this segment. Um, so they reported earnings last night. And the stock is down 7% today. So it's at 167 in the short term, it has a very high P.E. Let's take a look at the long-term angle on the P.E. Eh, doesn't look so bad. It started to hit the high 20s in the long term, but right now it's in the above 45, 50 range. So it has earnings. We used to not judge Tesla on earnings. We used to judge Tesla on revenues and how many cars they were able to build. Now we're saying, you know what? You got to earn some money. That is important. Let's talk Tesla. Tesla net income and earnings dropped more than 20% from last year. And that doesn't bother me. Let's take a look at inside the numbers and see if I'm bothered. Tesla said underutilization of new factories, stressed margins, along with higher raw material, commodity, logistics, and warranty costs. Wow. Wow. Now I'm starting to get a little, that wasn't a good quarter, was it? Underutilization of new factories. There's simply not enough demand for his vehicles. And to create demand, he had to drop prices. 
So let's keep playing with what we learned from Tesla last night. Automotive revenue, pretty nice. Hit $19.9 billion in the quarter, up 18% from last year. But then Elon Musk started talking. And he emphasized that an uncertain macroeconomic environment could impact people's car shopping plans. Musk said he expected 12 months of stormy weather in the economy. Hey, I kind of said something like that at the beginning of the show. I said interest rates, when they tick higher, they take nine months to a year to play into the economy. And we're not even at the, the worst part of it. We'll, we'll, we'll drive through the storm at some point. We're not there yet. And yet, we're not firing enough people fast enough. But yet, we don't have to because earnings are holding up. Oh, it's a frustrating one. Every other time that the Fed has raised interest rates like this, it's, it's led to a recession. There's no doubt. A lot of people believe that most recessions in the United States are caused by the Federal Reserve. Every time the Fed raises interest rates, that's the equivalent to an increase in the price of a car if you're financing it. Whenever there's uncertainty, Elon Musk said, in the economy, people will generally postpone big new purchases like a new car. When Tesla began to discuss its ambitions in self-driving technology in 2016, Musk talked about how the company would conduct a hands-free trip across the United States by late 2017. 2017 has come and gone, 2018, 2019, 20, 21, 22, we're into 23, not even close. Tesla talked about the lithium-ion battery the lithium ion ion easy for me to say the lithium ion battery based energy storage systems tesla energy saw revenue soar up 148% to 1.5 billion now again let's give some context cars 19.9 billion solar roofs and solar battery backups 1.5 billion It's interesting because at the local shopping mall, they've started to put in a Tesla supercharger. So that's three miles from my house. Yet the next supercharger is probably about eight miles. It's kind of important to know where those guys are if you have a spouse that doesn't charge the car. It is kind of important. So Tesla cut prices on its vehicles at the end of last year and into the first quarter of 2023, including additional reductions this week. At the same time, Tesla's charting ambitious plans for expansion and increased capital expenditures. Tesla currently sells four electric vehicle models, which are produced at two vehicle assembly plants in the United States, one in Shanghai and one just outside of Berlin. Shareholders submitted questions ahead of their earnings call for management's consideration. And let's just say we got some updates. On the call, Musk said Tesla is now building the alpha versions of the Cybertruck on a pilot line. The company intends to produce the Cybertruck in Austin, Texas. Musk said he anticipates an event to kick off Cybertruck deliveries in the third quarter of 2023. In 2023, Tesla expects to produce 1.8 million vehicles or possibly an upside all the way to 2 million. 
in early April, Tesla reported vehicle deliveries of 422,000 in the first quarter. So if you times that by four, you're getting close to that 1.8 million number. Musk announced plans to build a Tesla factory in Monterey, Mexico, a day's drive from relatively new factory in Austin. And more recently, Tesla said it plans to set up a factory to make megapacks or large lithium ion battery based energy storage systems in Shanghai. When you build a factory, it costs money. Tesla is expected to spend between seven and nine billion dollars in 2024 and 2025. An increase in capital expenditures of about a billion dollars in the next two years. Tesla shares have rebounded this year from a dismal 2022 when they lost about two-thirds of their value. Stock's up 48% in 2023. Now, everything that I just told you about Tesla, what, what did you remember the most? This isn't a quiz. I, I think this is a, a test of how do you feel about Tesla? Seriously. Because what I heard was underutilization of new factories, stressing margins. Margins are a super important part of any company that sells a lot of things. Apple sells their phones at very high margins. Google sells their phones at very low margins. I can almost say that's the difference in the two investments, like right there. Now, Google makes a ton of money, not from their phones, but from searches, which are very high margin. So what did you remember from the Tesla discussion that we just had? I heard higher raw material, higher commodity, higher warranty costs. I heard lower revenue from environmental credits. And to me, I... I, that's not a jump up and down. What did you hear? Did you hear the 19 billion in sales for cars? Did you hear the 1.5 up 148% for Tesla energy? I, I'm just curious. And again, we don't have to play this game forever today. I just think that's, um, it shows you that we hear what we want to hear at times. I have incorrectly not been bullish on Tesla. I'm not bearish. I'm just not bullish. It's one of those things that I just, I want to stay away from. The million dollar question heading into Tesla's earnings report was whether the electric vehicle makers margins would at least meet expectations after a series of price cuts in China and the United States. And investors didn't get the answer that they wanted. Overall, gross margins of 19% fell well short of expectations. You may recall that the CFO of Tesla stated that in 2023, automotive gross margins should stay above 20% for the whole year. That was a steep drop below. Now, the takeaway on the positive side is Musk said the company may be able to reach the 2 million mark for deliveries this year, even as Musk predicts more stormy weather for the economy up ahead. That's another uh, I think Tesla should start, you know, they sell dumb stuff like Tesla tequila, Tesla tequila, like flamethrowers. Maybe you should start selling a one, an umbrella, an electric umbrella made by Tesla would be a hot commodity to help fight the stormy weather ahead. 
Oh, it's so full of information. Tesla was downgraded to sell today from hold at Tudor. A lot of people on Wall Street, a lot of people that I know. I was talking with a trader yesterday, guy who trades stocks for a living for a company. 30. He hates the company. Anyhow, where are you at with Tesla? And what did you hear? Did you hear the positives or did you hear the negatives? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Okay, I'm going to try to get you to laugh. I know you're going to say, whatever you do, don't make fun of the Founding Fathers. But if you do, don't make fun of the Founding Fathers. Benjamin Franklin was a freak. That whole bald chrome dome head with the long hair standing out in the rain. But did you know Benjamin Franklin wrote an investment book? Okay, okay, okay. This is not the way I want you to get rich. Trust me. This is not the way I want you to create wealth. But I do want you to read. And I do want you to find things that you, that you resonate with. And something that he wrote... 250 plus years ago. Is it going to help you become a great investor today? Nope. But some of his quotes, an investment in knowledge always pays the best interest. There's some truth to that. Don't be the person who's looking to get investment tips and not willing to do the research. Benjamin Franklin once said, the people heard it and approved the doctrine and immediately practiced the contrary. I see a lot of people going after new ways of investing, digital currencies, which, again, until you see them in a store, I don't know if it's anything more than a digital lottery ticket. Yes, I think the underlying technology is amazing. But until we start actually using it as a currency, what is it? That's why the same reason I don't like gold. I've never gone into a shop and said, uh, dear Safeway manager, manager of the old Safeway, I would like this bag of groceries. Can I give you one ounce of gold? He goes, no, no, two ounces. It must be two. So I've had to let go some investment angles because I just don't understand them. Now, I understand there's some utility function for gold. I understand there's some cosmetic function for gold. I'm not saying that we can't buy groceries. All I'm saying is we can't buy groceries, so it doesn't mean that much to me. I get that we have, we make things out of gold and we use it in, in materials. Here's another Benjamin Franklin quote. In short, the way to wealth, if you desire it, is as plain as the way to the market. It depends chiefly on two words, industry and frugality. Waste neither time nor money, but make the best use of both. He that gets all he can honestly and saves all he can will certainly become rich. I like some of that. The word frugality. The word industry. Look for things that are working. Don't waste your time. Save. Become rich. Here's another great Benjamin Franklin quote. Beware of little expenses. I I wish it would stop right there. But no, it goes on. It gets too, too, uh, father, founding fatherish. Ugh. 
Listen to this. Beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. As poor Richard says again and again, who dainties love shall beggars prove. And moreover, fools make feasts and wise men eat them. I just like to beware the little expenses. Um, another Benjamin Franklin quote. It is easier to suppress the first desire than to satisfy all that follow it. And that sounds like something from Fifty Shades of Grey. And I don't want to think about Benjamin Franklin starring in the sequel. But suppressing your first desire to buy a stock is sometimes the best thing you can do. I remember 25 years ago while putting together radio shows and podcasts. I have one of the oldest podcasts in the nation, if not the oldest financial podcast. I was doing it with CNET Radio back in 2000. 98 to be exact. But the whole idea there of it's easier to suppress the first desire. Okay, I've got a shopping list of stocks right now. And I'm not going to tell you all of them. I have not bought, but I'm looking to add positions. And one might be Google. And I sit there and I go, it's come down a lot. It's dislocated. It's a high-quality company that's dislocated. It's become dysfunctional. I tend to like opportunities like that. Now, that's my first desire. Then I go, okay, well, what about this chat GPT thing? Their highest margins are in search. And yes, I'm actually using chat GPT to do some searches more so than just, just Google. So Microsoft is seeing my, my eyeballs. So I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, maybe we wait for one more quarter. Maybe we wait to see if the CFO says something positive next week in their earnings call about we've laid off 15,000 people. We're going to lay off another 10,000. I don't want people fired. I get no joy out of that. All the uh, Facebook posts. I used to live in Silicon Valley proper. And I have a lot of friends that are posting, you know, we got laid off from uh, Facebook or Meta looking for a job. And then like 90 people respond, well, what kind of coding can you do? So I do like suppressing the first desire to buy. And then just continuing my research, research, research until I get a little bit more comfortable. One minute. Benjamin Franklin once said, we may make these times better if we better ourselves. That means nothing to me. Here's one that he got way wrong. He that hath a calling hath an office of profit and honor. If he's talking about a calling to politicians, that one's turned around. Industry gives comfort and plenty with respect. Again, no. 30. No. The sleeping fox catches no poultry and that there will be sleeping enough in the grave. Okay. I think I could get an investment tip out of that one. It's a stretch, but I want you to always educate yourself. Doesn't have to be the best. Always keep pushing your financial understanding. Try. I'm Ron Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.